Let's have a day. Happy Thursday, everyone. It is FT Live with Eric Kratz, AJ Pruszynski, and Scotty Braun. Do we need name tags? Did you guys forget me? Who? What? I was sleeping. Well, there we go. If you're watching right now on Stadium or on Stadium YouTube, there it is. Our names and our handles. So you guys better be fresh out of the bullpen because I'm hungover from Cincinnati. We had a strong three days out there at the ballpark, hitting a game, good dinners, good times, new sports book. So what'd you guys do? Not that. Not going to Cincinnati, I know that. You're not in Orlando, though, AJ. No, I'm Would you in like us? Would I'm you in like Ohio. to give us the uh, report? Yeah, what's going on out let's see. there? You want to know? Let's see. When was on Thursday? Let's see. From Thursday, I was in Boston, Orlando, West Palm, Gainesville, West Palm. Now I'm in Cleveland. Yeah. And so what's happening in Cleveland? Give us the report. Uh, big, Obviously, big game the Guardians tonight. are done. Guardians, Orioles, Guardians tonight. Big game for the Orioles. Try to continue it. And Grayson Rodriguez, although nobody will confirm it, is supposed to pitch tonight against the Guardians. It's the weirdest thing. Like, the Orioles PR will not confirm it, although it's on MLB, you know, .com and everywhere. But they, like, will not say who's pitching. It's, like, the craziest thing I've ever seen. Did you get an explanation on why, like, what the problem is in terms of why they won't announce it? Because for me, I want to start punishing places if they're not transparent and going, okay, cool, well, I'm just going to make shit up then and maybe think that, you know, he's hurt, he disappeared, you guys don't like him anymore, maybe he's available for trade. Well, all those deadlines have passed. I don't know. It's weird. It's been everywhere, but... Like everyone you ask in Baltimore, they're like, uh, yeah, I don't know uh, why. And then and then the Guardians are like, yeah, we're not telling you who's pitching either. I'm like, you guys are out of it. You guys are done. Just tell us that you're doing a bullpen game and we'll be fine with it. Just tell me so I can prepare. Scott, you have gotten petty in the last three days since we've been gone. Like, today, well, you're not going to tell us? Too. You're not going to tell us? And fine. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a bad article about you and I'm going to tell people bad things about you and make fun of your hair. This isn't the CIA. Just no, tell us what's going on. I'm going to take my ball and go home. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell us what's going on. And if, if the answer is, hey, we're still figuring it out, that's fine. But give me something, you know? I don't know. I mean, I know some teams with the gamesmanship don't want to say who's pitching and stuff like that. But I don't think this is one of those scenarios. You know, yeah. like playoffs, opener, all that. So, all right, well, we'll oh, see. We'll have Bradish. We do have Bradish in game, so that'll be cool. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Bradish is actually kind of – I mean – Cole's going to win the side, but he's, he's going to get some serious Cy Young votes. He'll get too. some votes. Yeah, for sure. He's That'd been be fantastic. He was great again yesterday. I know we'll get to them at some point, but uh, the Orioles lost to the Astros, but it wasn't Kyle Bradish's fault. So, also, Max Muncy was on the show yesterday. We asked him about his homers. Obviously, FT Muscles last night, his team lost, but tied a career high 36 home runs. Um, and lastly, if you like AJ's shirt, fileterritoryshop.com. There it is. I haven't mentioned it in a while, so don't say that I'm just shamelessly promoting all the time. There it is. Nice. Perfect. Uh, Russ Dorsey is going to join us in about 10 minutes. We're going to talk to Roger Clemens' son, Casey Clemens, who had some time in pro ball. Um, and then uh, maybe a special guest later. I won't announce it yet until it's official, official. But we have juice. We have drama. And it came pretty close to showtime. Let's charge the damn mound, baby. So there is a very thorough essay in The Athletic from the Mets beat writers that was put together, and I have full transparency, not been able to finish reading it yet. There are some long-ass articles. I will read it all, but we did pick out a quote that has gone viral. Tommy Pham on the team 
says he told Lindor, quote, out of all the teams I played on, this is the least hardest working group of position players I've ever played with. Oof. Your thoughts? Kevin, was right. <laughs> well, yeah, you can put your, not, you can put your apologies in the mail. Is, is he calling out Lindor or really? I think he's calling out the whole group, though. Is Lindor he's, supposed to be the leader of the group? Yes. Well, then he's usually leaders lead by what? Example. Example. So, what does that tell you? I mean, listen, I'm not in there every day. Work. Kratz and I aren't in there every day, but this is kind of a just this one quote. Is, is very interesting and, you know, three $400 million payroll, whatever the Mets had and having to trade everybody away. But they're, you know, their key pieces are who? Lindor, right? Alonzo as position players. I guess Nimmo, McNeil. Who, who? And Tommy Pham, a guy who comes in for one year and says, you guys don't work very hard? Like, usually you'd be like, man, these dudes work their asses off. And I'm just trying to fit in. Instead, Lindor then says to Tommy, hey, thanks for teaching me how to work hard again. What the hell has he been doing for the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, obviously Lindor's going to get a lot of the brunt of this, and it's pretty damning comments to say that. But, hey, we just said we want transparency, so this is transparency by Tommy Pham here. But Lindor also fessed up and was like, hey, you know what? He was right. I appreciated it. What that means, I don't know. I can only go by my experiences. And I remember when I went to the Phillies, this team was coming off of four straight National League East championships, you had a very, very strong core of players. And it was the first time in my career I'd been with the Blue Jays in the minor leagues and the Pirates in the minor leagues and the big leagues. It's the first time in my career that I was like, wow, these dudes do nothing but work and they want to absolutely get after it to try to win a World Series. So it's it's evident. It's evident when you come into a clubhouse just in spring training. I remember going home and telling people like this team – absolutely works they get after it and there is no there's no doubt what their focus is we came up short that year but it was definitely something that it was evident so for tommy to point it out you see it i i mean i think you see it right away i don't know about you aj but i it is something well, that is very glaring isn't normally your best normally listen it's not always the case but your best player usually is your hardest worker i mean not all the time but your best players usually are the guys that are there, they're grinding it out. They're, you know, in the, I don't want to say they're in the cage more because everybody does things differently, but they're usually the ones that are, are in the middle of everything. And so for someone to come in and say this, listen, it sucks for Lindor. Cause I like Francisco Lindor. He's a great human being. He's a great guy to talk to. He's a really great player and he's having a pretty good year, but yeah. just to hear, have someone say this, man, like this is like the worst, I don't know about you, Kratz, but I feel like as a player, for someone to say you're not working hard, man, that is like – that's like one of the worst things someone could ever say about you as a player. Absolutely. If you're – because you, you said – you kind of hit on a little bit. You're like, oh, he's in the cage or he's in the weight room. People think like, oh, man, well, I always see him in the weight room or I always see him in the cage. That doesn't necessarily mean you're working hard. You're talking about guys who are focused and locked in and want to be out there for 162 games. So exactly what Tommy was talking about – I don't know, but I know for a fact that the way Tommy works, when I played with him in 2019, he expects a certain level of accountability out of himself. But I think you you see how 
guys do their work. And it's not about taking a hundred swings in the cage. It's about what kind of focus you're putting into it. What kind of focus you're putting into your weight room stuff, whether it's a 25 minute leg day or an hour and a half bicep day for Yandy Diaz, the work has to be put in and you can't, you just, you know it when you see it. And it's not just one thing, you know it when you see it. And it is definitely, you, you, you really can't, you can call a ball player a lot of things, but if you say you're not hardworking, that is, that's, that's harsh. Now there was clarification later on where he said he held a lot of respect. This is fam for the work that work ethics of the team's leaders. And it's the guys you're talking about, Lindor, Alonzo, and Nemo. And, I mean, they've put up numbers this year. But the point from you guys is there still has to be a level of accountability that they have to take. If there's a player saying that there's not good work ethic from guys on a team, those team leaders should be handling it. But it's uh, confusing to me. It's confusing to me that, that Bam says to Lindor, this isn't the least hardest working team. But then he says he respects the work of – Lindor, Nimmo, and Alonzo. It's like, wait, which one? Well, there's other in- there are other position players. No, you could I know, be talking but... about the rest of the team. So the rest of the team doesn't do anything? Like it, it's just weird to me that that then the quote was, you know, then then Lindor says, Hey, thanks for teaching me how to work hard again. Well, it it just is like, okay, so the three leaders are working hard, allegedly. Well then they're not holding other people accountable, clearly. If those three are doing what they're supposed to do, then shouldn't the rest of the guys kind of get in line and follow suit because that's where it's confusing to me is is if you just go with these quotes there's got to be more it's like he it's like he said something and then he's like well i really kind of like those guys so i don't want to blast them too hard so i'm going to kind of cover my tracks a little bit and say oh yeah they did work hard just not what i thought they were going to be you know it's it's like one of those i'm going to say something but then i'm not going to say with my chest i'm going to say it and then kind of back off and try not to lose their friendship no, I get what you're saying. He, he probably is calling them out because otherwise I'm looking at the roster. I'm like, is he calling out Brett Beatty, who's been down for a bit too, and then is back up with the big Canna, league club? Canna. Canna, who's traded. Mauricio, Marte. who just came up. McNeil. Yeah, Marte's been hurt a lot. I mean, then it's a lot of guys that are kind of just at the end of the year trying to, you know, just get some playing time. Well, like he's surely, not, he's sure, he's surely not calling out like Berlander and Scherzer. No, he said position player. Than anybody. I know. He was so clear. You... All right, so let me let me provide a little bit of a contrast here. So when we spoke to Muncie yesterday, he talked about the leadership of Freeman and Mookie Betts setting the tone for the entire team. There was great work in The Athletic this morning about GM of the Dodgers, Brandon Gomes, stating the case for Mookie Betts to be MVP. And he was talking about the ability to play multiple positions. And then when they didn't have a shortstop, when they lost Lux and Rojas went down for a bit, he was able to fill in. So I think the part that stands out to me is that he said towards the end of his whole explanation, pleading the case for Mookie, that it sends a message that everyone should be willing to do whatever it takes to win. When Mookie's showing up, like, where do you want me to play? Right? He's big money man MVP, like second base today, outfield today, shortstop today. Let's just produce the optimal lineup and I'll be there early taking ground balls to make sure that, you know, since I haven't played much infield in my life in the big leagues for a long time, I'm going to be at least average, if not really, he's been in a, you know, a, a strong second baseman and, and even at shortstop, I mean, it wasn't a ton of time, but looked pretty good over there too. And at least average at the position. So 
to me, that's where you have the leadership quality of a player performing, doing whatever it takes, and clearly setting an example for the younger dudes. Because the Dodgers bring up young dudes too. You know, James Outman's looking at him like, if I sit three days in a row because they're trying to platoon me or I'm cold, like, who cares? Mookie's doing whatever it takes to get a dub tonight, you know? And that's and that's kind of basically pairs what, with, with what we both said. It's not about the amount of swings, the amount of lifting, the amount of video time. It's about who is going to compete when they get between the lines. And I think we're probably doing the quote by Tommy a disservice by, like, trying to pick out who exactly he's talking about and more – just the culture that's there, the culture of like, are we really focused on winning a world series? I mean, you're talking about Mets team that came off of 103 wins, 104 wins, something like that. And then got bounced from the playoffs. You would think this team is hungry. And when a new guy comes in and sees the culture, you sit here and you go, well, did they really want, to win like was there a, like if there's a shred of a doubt that you'd want to win a world series you might slide in to the playoffs you might be a third playoff team the wild card team but you're not really focused on what you need to do and he saw that let me get one more perspective because you guys weren't with us and yesterday we were able to dive into the Padres story did you guys read anything <laughs> from either Kevin Acey in his article where he spent some time talking about same thing. I mean, guys setting the tone, clubhouse chemistry. Manny Machado kind of said it was overrated and was referring back to college ball and high school. Like, and and I understand sometimes where he's coming from. Where you know, I, I don't think you should phrase it that way. But at the same time, I bring this up sometimes to you, AJ. I go with the White Sox say, shouldn't players be accountable when you're like a 27 year old dude? Like, do you need some other dude coming up to you going, Hey, maybe you should show up to the ballpark a little earlier. Hey, your defense sucks lately. Like, why don't you get out there with the infield coach? Does someone need to be doing that? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, do, do you really no. need, you do, yes, you, you do need that because let's not forget there. People are, people are all have different personalities, Scott, and people all have different contract situations. You've seen major league, right? Dorn. It's my free agent here. What do you want me to die for it? Like there are times where people, listen, people are thinking about that. And, and when you go to go back to high school, the high school stuff has changed now too because these all kids all have advisors if they're good, right? And they'll tell them, hey, you don't need to pitch in this tournament because, oh, God forbid you don't pitch well, you might lose your draft status. Like how about you go out and you pitch for your high school and you try to win the high school game? And, and so, yeah, you need somebody in the clubhouse, in the locker room to say, hey, dude, guess what? This ain't working. You're going to have to, whatever it takes, like step up your your workout game or step, take more ground balls or focus on this or, or do this. Yes, every good team has to have that bad cop guy. And, and I'm a big believer in that, that. You have to have somebody other than a coach to come up to guys and say, hey, this ain't enough. We need more out of you. And, 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 and it's, listen, it's easier, to, it's easier to say than to find that guy. But if you can find that guy, usually good teams have somebody that will hold others accountable. Did you see that or say that, Kratz, in your career, where you'd look over and be like, oh, this rook's lazy. I got to tell him what's up. It's easy. It's easy to tell the rookies they're lazy. It's much harder. And this is what the guy that I think AJ is pointing to is the guy that can tell the veteran guy, the superstar, whether he's on the upswing of his superstardom, reaching his apex, or he's on the downswing, you got to be able to talk to every single one of those guys. And 100%, I would call those dudes out. I Maybe I would call them out in more of a comedic way. I would call them out in more of a, like, 
oh yeah i didn't realize that uh you know we had an off day but then we had an off day starting the seventh inning the day before like you know just stuff like that that gets guys just just talks to guys in a different way you 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 can't just go up to everybody and be like aj said bad cop you can't just be like hey what's your problem bro you know, you might not connect with those kids, especially when you said like a 27, 28 year old. Some of these guys have never struggled in their entire career. I'm not talking about pro career. I'm talking about life. They were the best in little league, best in high school, best in college, best in high A, double A, triple A, all that stuff. All star first few years. You still have to be called out because that's how you elevate your play and become better as a team. Mm hmm. All right, we'll get to all the um, pennant races going on right now in the bigs in a little bit, but I wanted to kind of hash that out because that came out there just before the show started, and that's going to get around. That's going to get some play. New York media is going to have some fun because they don't have much to cover with baseball right now because the two teams are out of it. They're going to be like, oh, we're going tonight, baby. We're going. Where's the game? We're going. FT back with Stadium's Russ Dorsey. AJ, what happened? Are you just saying you want to attack Russ mm. in, in general? Or no, you we're going to talk specific baseball, in before – but before he gets off the air, we're going to have a chat about life. Is this life a college situation. football talk? No, this isn't college football. This is about life. <laughs> Russ, I'm there? prepared, so yeah, I yeah. have nothing to hide. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, what? Okay, so we'll see the blitz in about 10 minutes. But for now, Russ, let's start off with some news. We want to get some perspective from you on the Tigers naming a general manager and Jeff Greenberg. So yeah. first off, I didn't even think about the fact that you know they had a position open because technically Scott Harris is there, but he's above him and he took over for Alavila not long ago. And then also I see in the bio that Greenberg was coming from the Blackhawks just now. So what do you got on this? So Jeff Greenberg was the assistant GM for the Chicago Cubs when I was still on the beat uh, in 2020, 2021, etc. He'd been with the Cubs for 11 seasons and one of those guys that really worked his way up in that front office and done a lot of different jobs. His final stop was uh, assistant GM before he went over to the Blackhawks because he, he actually had interviewed for that position to be the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks before they hired their GM, uh, Kyle Davidson, uh, last year. And so a guy that is very smart, went to Columbia, uh, got a law degree from Columbia, is a guy that worked in pro scouting and development and he big into analytics, which is why, you know, that background helped in both baseball and in hockey. So a smart guy, a guy that got to work with Scott Harris uh, here in Chicago, but a guy who has also been in a lot of different roles and should be able to help the Tigers in terms of, you know, scouting, player development, analytics, the whole the whole shebang. Now, is he going to be in a role like a lot of teams are now switching their roles where the president is technically the one making all the decisions? Or is it going to be like, oh, well, this GM, you know, Jeff Greenberg built this team and now this team isn't good. Or is it going to be a more traditional like you or a new a, the newer role where it's like scouting and player development and all that stuff? I think it's going to be the latter, right? Like I think if you see, like the, what you're talking about, the model in Major League Baseball, where you have the president of baseball operations, who is the figurehead, who is the guy that has the final say? Right, what David Stearns is going to be for the New York Mets, what Jed Hoyer is for the Chicago Cubs, a lot of teams using that model. And I think when you have it that way, where you have the defined roles, hey, this is the president of baseball ops. This is a general manager that handles a lot of things, handles the day to day. But, you know, always that that guy who's at the top, the president is going to be the one making a lot of those decisions. And 
you know, a lot of the president of baseball ops and baseball will say, hey, we're going to work in concert. We're going to work together and do a lot of these things. Like, I think for Scott Harris and Jeff Greenberg, since we're talking about them, they come from the Chicago Cubs model where you had Theo Epstein at the top, right? When in that 2016 run they made, you had Jed Hoyer, who was the general manager. And when Theo left, then Jed became the president of baseball ops and they hired Carter Hawkins to be the GM. So it's the model that they know. Right. It's the model that Scott Harris knows from his time and even in his time in San Francisco, where he was in that GM role before he got elevated to president of baseball operations in Detroit. So I think it, it's the model that I think a lot of teams has seen works in Major League Baseball right now. By the way, you're clearly not talking about the White Sox because they had a president and GM that didn't work together. But that's yeah, yeah it, that's it, it, that, that wasn't the point. My thing is, are they, are they hope that was just a, sorry that was kind of a cheap shot by Russ. Um, but uh, are they are they hoping for like a Jerry Krause kind of deal with the Bulls because Jerry Krause is in baseball and goes to the Bulls. Obviously, he had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and that whole crew. But now it seems weird to me that a baseball guy would go to hockey and then he comes back to baseball. Like I, it, to me, I know analytics are analytics, but there's still a, a some there has to be some sort of like. Okay, I'm a baseball guy. I've been a baseball guy for a long time. Now the Blackhawks want me, and obviously they got the first pick and, and got the guy they wanted. But it just seems odd to me that you would switch sports like this. I don't, I don't think it's weak. Personally, my opinion is being able to have interests outside of baseball, outside of whatever you do, is really good for the job that you do. And it's not like he's a guy that was in baseball wasn't in baseball at all before or like he was in hockey for 10 years before he came to baseball he was in baseball for 11 years doing every role in the front office besides being a general manager and then decided to go work with the chicago blackhawks and in a and it was a brief stint right a year and then he comes back to baseball we now has a, a job with a guy that he worked with here in chicago and can use all those same skills that he learned in his 11 years uh, with the Chicago Cubs into his new role. So I don't think it's as weird a transition, especially when, look, I, I think I'm going to use myself as an, ex an ex example here. Everybody knows I'm a baseball guy through and through, but I do a show where I have to talk about other sports. That doesn't mean I'm not a baseball guy. I can still come on here and you can still write, still break news, do all these different things, but it makes me more well-rounded because I can talk about other things. And I think in a similar sense for Jeff Greenberg, the ability to, to go into analytics in baseball and in hockey, it's just another, you know, club in your bag, right, so to speak, when it comes okay, to Russ, baseball and helping build. Listen, listen, I have fantasy football teams. Does that make me qualified to be a football GM? Like, I have <laughs> hobbies outside. That doesn't make me – I mean, I'm <laughs> like, I like hockey. Can I, be, can I be assistant GM for the Blackhawks? I'm open. Brother, brother, over a decade in a front office. I, no, listen, I, no, I'm not saying the baseball part is strange. It's just weird that he left baseball to go to hockey, and now he's back as GM. That's, it's nothing about, like, I, listen, I hope it's a great hire for the Tigers. And I think he's done some great things in baseball. But it's just weird you would leave to go to hockey and then come back. You know, that's what's strange to me. It'd be like, it'd be like me being like, yeah, I talk about baseball every day. I'm going to go on uh, game day and be, you know, Fox Big Noon and talk football for a year so, or two. And then I'm coming back because I like college football. Here's the other part. Sometimes about opportunity. About opportunity, like maybe the job that he wanted wasn't out there. He saw an opportunity to do something that he wanted to do. He got to stay in the city of Chicago. He's uh, he has hockey in his blood, and so 
if you have a chance to do all those things and then the job that you always envisioned yourself in opens up, then it's like, okay, now now's the time for me to go back to baseball where I want to be. So I, I just think there are 30 jobs in baseball when it comes to the GM positions because a lot of, te- you know, every team doesn't have a president of baseball operations. So there's only a se- select number of jobs. There's only, and we talked about this last week, uh, AJ, like there's only 30 managers in the big leagues, right? And so those jobs are precious. And so when you get an opportunity to do that, that's when you got to make your move. I completely agree. And I also want to say, too, the White Sox, they didn't go outside of any scope of baseball, let alone outside of their organization. And we roasted them on here. So it's kind of like it's good to see. To me, it's good to see different perspectives. It's good to see different perspectives in different sports and how to handle personalities. So I think Correct. it's we, we didn't roast them. You guys did. I was only positive. You're, you're right. Okay? You're right. You're right. So I'm let's sorry. Just get that out there that I was positive. You guys roasted them. I I roasted them, Russ. I roasted them. Yeah, I and listen, it, it's fine. It's fine. I was here, and I'm not gonna say that AJ roasted them, but I'm not gonna say that he didn't roast them. <laughs> it was it was it was me. I'm sorry. Getty was hiring all of his buddies that he played with, and it didn't get a call. So now I'm pissed. <laughs> anyway, on, on to one of my on to one of my other buddies, who most likely has solidified the Cy Young race in Blake Snell, except Justin Steele kind of fell off here recently. Zach Gallen kind of fell off here recently, and hey, Blake has done an unbelievable job. Snell Snellzilla has turned out like he has been unbelievable. But if he wins a Cy Young, which I believe he will, he will be the first person to win the Cy Young in the last 10 years with less than 11 innings after the sixth inning. Corbin Burns won, won it. He had 11 innings where he pitched after the, after the sixth inning. Talking all the way back to 2010. So that was, that was 13 years ago when Roy Halladay had 53 innings. After the sixth inning, is this is this his fault or is this the manager's fault? Could he go 125 pitches to start? So a couple things. I think that Blake Snell obviously should be the NL Cy Young winner. He's been the guy from end to end who has been the dominant starter in the National League. In his last 20 starts, guys, a 1.30 ERA in that span, 166 strikeouts the ability to dominate a lineup and say, you know what? Yeah, I'll walk two guys. I'll walk three guys. And you know what? It's not going to matter because I'm going to strike out the side and those guys aren't going to score. And when that stat that you talk about, which hell of a nugget, Kratzy, hell of a nugget there um, for me. No, it's not Blake Snell's fault. If you ask Blake Snell, you want to start or you want to pitch nine innings? He would say yes, but you do what you're asked to do, right? You're not your own manager. And he's coming from, an organization in Tampa where it was the same way. Like, hey, you're going to go through the lineup twice, and then we're going to get the bullpen up. San Diego, similar. It's like, hey, get the, get us through the lineup twice, and then we're going to go to the bullpen. And that's more circumstance than, like, it's not like he did, doesn't want to. And I think he's kind of a poster child for this, unfortunately, because of what we've seen in his past with the team that he played on, what happened in the World Series where they took the ball from him. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. But I think the fact that he's been able to dominate for this long and, yeah, the other two guys, three guys in the conversation, Logan Webb and Justin Steele and Zach Gallen, those guys kind of 
after what we saw from him, which was his Cy Young defining performance the other night, it's like, no, this should definitely be the guy. And we're just in a different time in baseball. And I don't think we should knock Blake Snell because of that. Like, he's not taking himself out of games. Okay, let me ask you this. Is this the strangest career for a guy? Okay, because he's going to have two Cy Youngs, one in each league, right? You take away those two years, he's under 500 in his career. Heck, you take away 2018 where he was 21 and 5, he's under 500 for his career. I, I mean, this is the strange, one of the strangest careers because you t- in 2018 when he won the AL Cy Young, right? 21 and 5, 1.89 ERA. Should have won, 180 innings pitch. This year, 14 and 9, 2.33. But you look at every other year, he's got, you know, three and a half ERA, four ERA, three and a half ERA, four ERA, three and a half ERA, and then he's going to have two Cy Youngs. So then it goes to this. Most guys with two Cy Youngs, guess where they go? Cooperstown. Right. Is Blake Snell a Hall of Famer? Because the two, it just, it's such a strange career that the two great years that he's had have also coincided when nobody else is having a great year also. Because you look at the National League this year, there's nobody other than Blake Snell, that's having a great year. Usually there's a couple of guys you can kind of argue, but then you also look at the AL, right? I mean, Cole's going to win the AL because he's the one having the great year. But normally there's a couple of guys you can throw in the argument. The years that Blake Snell has done it, he's just blitzed everybody. And then the rest of the years he's been average. I go back. Is it his fault? No, it's not. Is it his fault? Just, nobody else, you know, kind of rose to the occasion but with it's just, him? It's just, isn't it strange that like, it is. his career think, is like two side young words and then, yeah. Like, look at, look at Tim Lincecum, right? Another guy with two Cy Young Awards where, like, he was dominant for that seven-year stretch. He was as good as it got, and then that was it. And it was a guy that we thought, oh, maybe this guy goes to Cooperstown. And it ended up being that way. Jacob DeGrom also has two Cy Young Awards. Is he going to end up in Cooperstown? I don't know. At this point in his career, is he going to stay healthy? I think it, it is interesting. And I think it, when you look at Blake Snell and kind of spin it forward, that's a guy that's a free agent. It's a guy that's going to be a free agent. He's going and with Shohei Otani not being able to pitch until twenty twenty five, that guy is going to command a different market this offseason. He is going to get paid. I think it's a fascinating question, actually, Russ. Now I'm I'm starting to dig through because it's only thirty years old. I mean, if he wins another side, you're going to deny a guy. Like, let's say he pitches, let's just be safe here. Let's say he signs a six-year contract and he rides that contract out and stays generally healthy. And I will say he's pitched for the most part. He's had a few seasons. Obviously, I'm looking through here. I mean, it's not 30-plus every year, so he's missed some time, but not significant time. It's not like there's been seasons. This isn't DeGrom, right? Like, he's mostly been on the field and pitching. So if he continues that for six more years, here's No, but listen, here's my thing. He pitched, but okay, he he goes – 189 innings, okay, his first year, fine. But then he goes 129, 180 the year he won the Cy Young, 107, and he had 23 starts. That's under five innings a start. 2020 wash because it was the short year. Then the next year, 27 starts, 128 innings. That's not five innings a start. Welcome it's, to the modern pitching but, world. But that's not even five innings a start. I understand. Welcome so to the like, modern pitching world. Are we only going to put starters in the Hall of Fame during this era if they were eating innings? Well, No, but that's a big thing. But some teams look at efficiency. I agree. But if he had six more years here and he ends up with a about a 15-year career that includes three Cy Young Awards and not bad years either, like you said. The rest of the years are mostly in the average range, ERA plus, right? Because the league has fluctuated. We had the year where the baseball's flying. You know, offense has changed a lot up and down. That's why I love using numbers like that. 
there's one year where he's sub 100. The rest of the years are 100 or better. And there's a few of those years, even aside from the two Cy Young years, which are ridiculous numbers, where he still performed as, a, as an above average pitcher. So it's interesting. That's good shit. I, I haven't thought about that, but I like it. Um, we'll kick it's, it around. It's kind and, of like uh, the Stanton argument we had a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. about is he a Hall of Famer, right? If he gets to 500 homers. I think Stanton's done one thing really well in his career. He's hit homers. Right? Other than that, it's been like, okay, what else does he do? He hits homers. He hits balls really far. So is he getting the Hall of Fame for that? These are good ones. In the offseason, we should we should pinpoint a few of these. So stay tuned. Russ, good to talk to you, man. We'll hit you next no, week. No, he ain't getting off. No, 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 no. We got to go. No, real, real, real quick. First of all, he's got Scott Braun's shirt on. Second of all, when someone invites you to dinner, at least offer to pay, dude. Don't just be like, oh, man, oh my wallet. God. I can't even get into oh it. Oh, I forgot my wallet. Okay, we got to go. That, no, no. We got to go. Got to go. No, got to go. No, got to, no. Got, got, we got, been got, out to dinner. I took got, out my wallet and I had my card in my hand. No. Shout out to our guy, Sal, that ended up paying. True. But I had my card ready. <laughs> oh. <laughs> tell him. Tell him. Wait, AJ didn't pay? I didn't have the no. time. My buddy he asked his friend who wasn't in the big leagues to pay. That's what happens wow. when you're World Series champ. People pay for you. See you soon, Russ. <laughs> Did you see the story? I mean, with Ken Rosenthal and Dennis Lynn about the Padres, the part about the dude that they hired from the cricket Don team. Tricker? Don Tricker. You guys know about this dude? I asked, I asked some dudes that used to work for the Padres about him. And he was like, Basically, I sum up the text message because I just asked him, I'm like, hey, what do you got this Don Tricker guy? Because I've been in organizations, the Blue Jays, they hired some dude that was from Australia or something. And he was like, yeah, I made him coming in here to change the, change the culture around and stuff like this. And then, and then the Pirates, they hired like Navy SEALs. So you've seen this stuff and you just kind of wonder like what? So I asked him, like, what kind of role did this guy have? And his answer was, Pretty much just a AJ Preller hire, and that's all he left it at. And it was like I didn't I didn't press him for more, but it was one of those things. That article, speaking of a long article, but a good article, that was a long article. But you talk about the culture part of it. It everybody wants to push it on the players. Sometimes sometimes there could be some culture stuff that trickles down. That's what I'm saying. One dude. Unnamed, a lot of people had to talk shit and couldn't put their name on it. Understandable. One Correct. dude said he's just a spy. They were like, what's he doing? They were like, not much. He hasn't ever really butt into a meeting and said anything helpful. I'm paraphrasing here. And then one dude's like, yeah, he's just a spy. Where he goes back and tells Preller there what is, people listen, are doing. There are those guys. Kratz will tell you. There are guys, whether it's a coach or someone that works in the organization that's around the team. That will go back to whether it's the front office or whoever and say, hey, this player, you know, he's not liking what you're doing. He's talking about it. Trust me, there are spies in every organization that are just there to tell the GM slash president what's going on in the clubhouse and who's talking shit about him so they know. I wouldn't say every organization. I would say the ones that you're like, man, what is their issue? Like, why do they just continue to shoot themselves in the foot? That is something because other organizations don't have time for that stuff. People who really like lead and lead by example and want the team to win from a front office standpoint, from a training staff standpoint, they're like, 
uncle, we do not have time for all this other garbage because it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to want to be good at your job for other people. But if you have people, which I completely agree with AJ, there are people who are hired or they feel like they need to keep their job and they want to be spies. And you have to watch out for those. I got, I got in trouble with one of the teams I was with because I said something on the bus, joking with people and making fun of people on the mic. And a spy called me in, got me called into the principal's office and only got half the story and basically took out of context what I said on the bus. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I ended up getting fired from that team later, but like it was, it was a joke, but the person thought, Oh, well, this could be offensive to the people that he said it to. And so I approached the people that I said it to and they were like, what? No, it was hilarious. But somehow when it was supposed to be player only, this spy came out and narked on me. Whoa. I need any more context that you can give us there. I mean, that's crazy. So I mean, this, basically I was on the bus yeah. and the back of the bus was loud. And I said, I said, whoa, 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 winter ball in the back of the bus. And because it was all the Latino guys were, it was a long road trip. We had an off day. Everybody was, everybody was having some extra sudsies. And so it was just getting loud and nobody could hear. So I just made a funny comment and I got called into the office saying, Hey, we don't say that kind of stuff on this team. And I'm like, kind of what stuff? And it was, it was completely taken out of context. And they, I'm not saying I got fired because of that, but it was because, you know, I got called into the office and it was like, what? Like, no, like, I'm not, I'm not sitting like what, what's said on the bus on the mic it stays on the bus on the mic. And so there I'm, I'm 99% sure who it was that said it and I confronted them and they denied it. So there's that. That's some bullshit right there. Also, when do the spy hires ever work? Like we're, you guys are naming some shit and you're, you're naming, you're naming stuff about teams that are consistently bad. You know, the, the Navy SEAL stuff that's so tired. The thing we're talking about here with the pods, clearly there's a lot more negativity around a hire like that than positivity. You're all, and, and I get the contrast of, hey, we want to have different thoughts and ideas, but you have to be very careful about how that's implemented because you have a bunch of people in a room that have devoted their entire life to doing something. So there's got to be some sensitivity in how you approach that throwing a cricket dude in there being like, Hey, this is how we do it here. Let's try it. Most likely not going to work. Right. Cause look, if, I, if that's positive, wouldn't everyone be doing some of the things that he wants them to do? Look, I have a, a buddy of mine. That's a, one of the Navy SEAL guys that uh, he works with some teams and he doesn't go in there and like tell him what to do. He's just there for a different mindset. Right. And saying like, this is, it's not like my buddy that works, he works with some teams. He goes in and, and he just talks to the players about like it's more of almost like a mental skills coach, not on that level, but it's more of like how to overcome it. Oh, you're in a slump. Well, guess what? I was in Iraq or Afghanistan and I had, you know, 50 Taliban dudes shooting at me. and It was just me and my three buddies. How do we get out of this? And it's more of that, at least the one I know. It wasn't it's not like he goes in there and he's like, this is how you play baseball. This is what we do because I was a Navy SEAL. It's more of like, hey, look, man, this is this is how we overcome adversity. 
This is what teamwork means on the ultimate level. And, and so for that kind of stuff, I'm all for that, bringing in people from outside to give you a different perspective. But you definitely, these guys don't need to be talking about baseball. They just need to be talking about life. Mm-hmm. And and that is and that's the difference. First, Scotty, I don't think people hire people to be snitches. I think they are hired and they feel like they don't. Well, maybe they do. I've never run across people who are like, "Hey, you're going to get forty grand a year to come and be in this organization, and I want you, you know, because you're going to be a good snitch for me." It's more of people who don't necessarily have a role that they're like, "Wow, I feel important in this role." Or like, oh, I can't, I'm not holding on to my role. Like, I don't feel like I have, I'm confirmed in this role. I don't feel like I'm solidified. So I can come up with information for the people who have a solidified role. But I also, what AJ said is spot on. Like, there is so many people outside of baseball that can give you perspective in life to understand that baseball does not mean that much, but it's all about how you approach it. If you approach a professional athlete, even I was a professional athlete, and if I go into a football clubhouse, a football locker room, and I say, guys, you know what you guys need to do when you pass the ball? You need to make sure you're that you have co- totally stepped over the line. And there's people from the military that I've seen come in and do mental skills coaching and have done a great job. But it is a they humble themselves in understanding what – the baseball guys go through, but they bring in their life experiences. Like I'm sure AJ's Navy SEAL buddy, like that's how you learn from other people's experiences by trying to put yourself in their shoes, not telling them how to do something from, well, I was a businessman. And you know, when I came from the, it's what the, it's what the wrong analytics guys do. They come in and they say, well, the numbers aren't wrong. I promise they're not wrong. There's no chance the numbers are wrong. You have to listen. That doesn't that doesn't help anybody. Yeah, I can make any number right or wrong. That's the beauty of that. That's where that gets too deep. Just want to shout out our friends at Shady Rays. We're all inside today, but uh oh, look at this guy. Is that a lost and broken replacement? No, I stole these. These are yours. <laughs> so, so it's a stolen replacement. Um, but you did you did recently lose a pair, AJ. I did. I left them. R.I.P. I think Chris Gett stole them. <laughs> it, it was your cart boy. Your cart boy my, took it. My, my uh, caddy I had on Monday at the White Sox golf tournament. It was raining, so he got a free pair of sunglasses. Well, you know what to do. Call Shady Rays, though. They'll give you a new pair, right? Lost Hook or you up with a new pair. Just don't like hey, them. They look bad on Scott. Give no them questions me. asked. When you get your new pair, make sure you get a pair that comes with smiles. Because every time you put them on, you don't smile. You get this like hard yeah. face, and they sure. make me happy. When I put them on, I'm like, ah, like it's so nice. That's fine. That's better. That particular pair, I will say, Kratz makes you feel cool because so cool. The whatever you call it on the outside that we're looking at right now, which is just a straight like blue steel mirror, it's <laughs> it slaps. So. That's what causes you know, like the best the, part, They're super comfortable. Yes. They're lightweight, which I love. I hate heavy sunglasses. Bring them back, please. Those are mine. Don't. Thank you. Lost lost and stolen. Sorry, Scott. No, that's fine. <laughs> I know the number. I know what to do. I'll get a new one. I like that pair. That's my favorite pair. So exclusively for the FT fam, the code is FOUL, F-O-U-L. ShadyRays.com is the website, and it is their best deal of the year. It is 50% off. 
two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. The shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. By the way, Kratz, you liked him so much, he left them for me to steal. So, you know. Hey, sorry. His loss. Yep. His lost and stolen replacement. See you. Always punished for being a good friend. I buy him books. I leave my shady rays. And then he just makes fun of me for it. But whatever. I'll take the hit. It's all good. It's all good. He's got dinner. I use all your things. I know. I know. That's why I'm trying to, like, you know, it's called, uh, what is my, my niece calls it, they teach in elementary school, um, bucket. Rent. Have you ever heard that? Like it's they rent, Scott. You owe me rent. This is how you're trying to pay your rent. With with sunglasses and um, books? Okay, fine. It's better than New York City rent, I'll tell you that. Put it in the bucket. <laughs> Put it in the bucket, right? <laughs> Fill your bucket. That's what it is. Fill your bucket. Compliments good things in life, good vibes. Um, on that note, let's do that's what he said, which often has some negative vibes, but we're going to try to be positive, at least with some of this. So let's start. You want to start positive or negative? Negative. Oh. Another positive. Okay. Because I have a few. So negative. I always end on the positive, Kratz. You know, I mean, bring us I always just like, maybe we'll never get to the positive. So I'd rather have the positive. I'll eat my ice cream first and then my vegetables. Mm. All right. So let's start negative. Hey, at least a bad taste in your mouth, see? John Carlos Stanton, not good this year. Yankees, not good this year. Um, yesterday used the word, quote, terrible to describe his performance this season. And, quote, there's a lot of things I've got to work and adjust on. But if you guys think I'm just showing up and going out there and not working, then I don't know what to tell you. Decipher this for me because yeah. clearly he hears the haters. And do you feel and should fans feel bad for him because he's not performing up to his ability and you know he's not the same dude this year and the way he was running around the bases at some points this year was definitely uh, indicating that I hope he's hurt because he's not that slow so what do you guys take from what Big G said who clearly nobody wants to go on the field and, and not do well like your boy Aaron Hicks too Kratzy who then moves on and he's going to be a playoff dude and the next dude we're going to talk about is a former Yankee who's going to be a playoff guy as well. But what did you think about this? I love this. Yeah. He's honest. There's there's no I, – I stepped on AJ answering it, but I think we're going to be on the same page in the sense that, like, this guy is showing his honest feelings. And he's pretty – he's a pretty reserved guy. He, he rarely talks to the media that much. And when he does, you know, he doesn't – that's just how he is. I mean, he's he's decently reserved with his teammates, too. And if you feel like you are being accused of something, we talked about it earlier, of not working hard, there's very few things that can really get at a player that deeply. That's a deep cut. So for some reason, he felt like people were saying that, and he needed to, he needed to push, put that to bed. But you said you said before, Scott. You said, should we feel bad for him? He's not looking for anybody to feel bad for him. That is, I have never met a player like G, who does put the work in. That's like, man, I hope I hope they feel bad for me because, you know, I'm trying to figure this out. No, there's no. He's not. I don't think he's asking for people to feel to feel bad for him. No, he, listen, he's being honest, and we always want honesty, right? Said he was terrible this year and he's going to go to work. That's what you want to hear out of a guy. Hey, I didn't have a great year. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to bust my ass this offseason 
and get back and be better next year. So if you're a Yankee fan, you should be excited about this. This is a great quote, and I love this. And listen, he should be applauded for being honest. And we all have up and down years, and we all have up and down weeks and up and down months or whatever it is. But listen, good for you. Good for you, Giancarlo Stanton, for saying this. And I hope it works out. I hope he goes out, busts his ass this offseason, and comes back better. And, and I'll and I'll add to that. Sorry to interrupt you, Scott. No, you're good. This guy was an All Star last year. Something happened post All Star game in through this season that he hasn't been able to come back from. That he hasn't been able to kick, or he hasn't been able to get back to. He was an All Star going into the All Star break, and since then, it's gone. It's gone south for him. So when he says, "I'm going to need to get to work." Don't don't expect Giancarlo to be like, you know, oh, I changed my swing and I'm, you know, I'm now this like uphill, uphill turner and, you know, I, I, I'm all back leg and all whatever it is, whatever the new the new gimmick is. G is an incredibly talented plus when one uh, runs created plus player slash plus, you know, OPS plus guy like he is an elite player. Whether or not you think he's a Hall of Famer will be a discussion for the offseason. If he says he's going to get back to it, I'd put my money in that corner. So also just side note, because we're on the Yanks and the Blue Jays are in town, with Merrifield on our socials, we put that he was going to join us today. The Wi-Fi out there, I guess maybe the Yanks didn't pay for it for the day. Ain't good. So we're going to we're gonna skip wit today because we want a, a clean connection wit to get all the good stuff. Plus, we've got a lot to get to these guys clearly are, are fresh arms. They haven't been on for a little. So just letting anyone know that if they were looking for wit, stay tuned probably the next couple of days. Um, one more on the Yanks front. This is another former Yank who's going to be playing playoff ball. So Brewers are winning today already. They've jumped the Cardinals. They won yesterday. They're days away from clinching a division t- title. Um, Three-run home run to start the day yesterday by Josh Donaldson. And a little that's what he said from Adam McAlvey. Uh, getting this quote or two quotes really on JD because a lot of dudes right away are like, yo, we, this, you feel this in the clubhouse, Tyrone Taylor quote, ever since he's been here, you could feel his presence. He was the MVP of the league. You know, he's been mashing for us. And by the way, shout out to Taylor at two solo homers after Donaldson yesterday. And then Adrian Hauser quote, the bringer of rain. That's how you describe it. And it rained on us tonight. And Hauser actually was great for them too. Their starting pitching has been electric, but can you imagine if on the biggest stage, after being a total dud last year in October, Josh Donaldson is just a monster for the Brewers. Because you know the defense is there. That has not slumped. Some dudes even slump on D, which I think actually sometimes gets underrated. Like Trey Turner was slumping on defense when he was slumping on offense this year. Josh Donaldson, even last year when he went through his struggles, was still an elite glove. and He's still an elite glove at third base. And the Brewers love their run prevention. And they're like, dude gets hot, hits some missiles. He might help us, you know, mess around and get to a World Series and pull off an upset. Well, let's 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 the, the Brewers are going to go by their pitching. I, I mean, listen, Josh Donaldson is only a Brewer because he got hurt. They threw him on the sixty-day DL IL, and he's like a week later, he's out there running around full speed and taking BP and taking grounders. And the Yankees are like, we don't need this anymore. It's too much of a distraction. I mean. I hope he does well because I really do like Josh. He's he is a outspoken, quality player. But you know he's got 22 hits on the year now. Granted, 12 of them are home runs, but 
I mean, he, yeah, he runs into a ball every once in a while. But other than that, I mean, he's still the same guy. He has two homers in nine games for the for the Brewers. It's not like he's going up there hitting 340, getting on base. Still, you know, I mean, you know, he is what he is. He's going to run into a ball every once in a while. And that's what the Brewers wanted because before him, their third base was giving him no power production. So it's a good fit for the Brewers. But, listen, I mean, he's not going to go out. He's not the MVP from 2015. Yeah, and he might he might pick some balls at third. We'll see if you know he's facing he's facing some elite playoff arms. We'll see how it goes. But hey, you know what? That's the beauty of the homer. You pop one out at the right time, you're gonna push your team to the playoffs, especially when you got Burns and Woody and Freddie going as your top three starters. You don't you may only need one bringer of rain. But I think what Tyrone was talking about and even Hauser was was alluding to. He has a presence. He has a presence. Some people might say it's cocky. Some people might say it's, you know, oh, that guy, he rubs me the wrong way. Normally, it's guys that didn't play with him. And so when you bring that confidence into a team that already has some confidence and they have been playing some really, really good baseball, yeah, he makes his presence felt. Yeah, you hit a three-run dinger. That helps. But he's still, I think, hitting like 209 or 210 for – his new team, he is just his presence in that clubhouse, on those road trips, on the bus. That's the kind of stuff I think these guys were more alluding to. Mm-hmm. Speaking of characters, let's finish that's what he said with Nick Castellanos. So, made a great play. I mean, it didn't look like it was going to be a great play, but it turned into a great play with a catch and foul ground. And the broadcast was so good because – you hear John Crock like, no, like, oh, catch it. And then he does and makes the throw home and gets Luke Williams, who was on third base. So you figured he was going to tag up and score the run um, for ATL. And the post game from Castellanos, who got him out at home with the throw, quote, I thought I was going to drop it. And at the last minute, a voice popped up in my head and said, if you build it. No, it said, <laughs> catch it. And throw him out. And he did. And the Phillies end up winning that game. Castellanos also bashed a couple homers in that one. But that was the key play. Bryson Stott with um, getting the job done in extras. That was the difference. And they handed the Braves a fourth loss in their last five. And that rivalry continues to look like it could be really interesting in the playoffs with what Nola did too. But where are the voices in your heads? Do you guys have that? Did you guys have that when you played? Like, Go for this 3-2 slider. Sit slider. Nope. My voice was always like, this is the pitch. I'm going to hit a dinger on. And the pitcher was just like, man, there's no way he's not sitting slider here. Slider. And I'm thinking, fastball. (laughs) Dang it. I had those voices. I don't. I don't know if you want your. I don't know if you want your outfielder having voices of trying to make this elite play at the end of the game, but. Hey, you know what? He made the play, and I think it's. I think. I think it's a. It was a cool interaction between Cruck, you know, kind of leading up to understanding. No, 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 no. Like this is the situation where you need to drop this ball. It was shallow enough. He could have thrown him out, but for him to catch it and turn and throw, he's a very accurate thrower. Average arm, above average accuracy, but to make that throw, my question is, and maybe AJ will completely debunk this. I've always wondered, why is Luke Williams sliding in that situation? Sliding is slower. Run right through, and in my opinion, 
he gets past that ball right there. But because he slid, it's a slower move to the plate. But anyway, that's for that's for another day. Ask Jeremy Giambi if he should have slid when Derek Jeter fucked thing out of mouth. He would have been that's dead different. out then. No chance. He would have been safe. So a slide would have been faster? The only way the Posada got him was because he reached and his hand was up. He would have slid under him. But I digress. Uh, Nick Castellanos is hilarious. Uh, voices, yeah, I didn't have voices. The only voice was they're throwing at it, swing at it, and get a hit. Um, and then also, uh, yeah, like I don't know that I've ever seen it where a guy has intentionally dropped the ball. Every It's easy to talk about, but I don't know that I've ever seen it at the big league level where a guy has intentionally dropped a foul pop. I feel I feel like I have. I feel like down I feel like down the line, you know, when you're like up against the wall. I I just don't I I don't remember like I played in a lot of games and I never saw a guy drop it. There were times where you're like, drop it, you dumbass, and he catches it. But they just are taught to catch the ball, so they catch it. And outfielders are outfielders are not that locked into the game. They're in the outfield like working on their swings and stuff in between pitches and you're back here grinding as a catcher, you're like Okay, seven, three, looking up at the guys, you know, looking into a hitter's soul, and you look at the left fielder, and he's out there going. It's true. Trying to work on your swing. That's my pants. Kratzats first. What do you got? A little baby blue? What are you, a Tar Heel today? No chance. I don't. I don't know anything about colleges. <laughs> it was one of the uh, Iron Pigs throwbacks. You see the iron. You see the iron on the top there, and then the the uh, Liberty Bell. Obviously, Iron Pigs. I told you, I found a bunch of Iron Pig stuff. But man, this one, this one, I haven't seen since we wore it. I think we wore it in 2015 um, when I went back for like a month to be in AAA. So it was. It's a cool hat. And when you're in Philly, you can always wear it. And people are like, oh, what is that, John? Yeah, that's a good pull. Iron Pigs know what's up. All right, I can already hear. We've got our AMP caller. If you're uh, on AMP, great. You can talk to us. If not, get on there. Free. You can listen to the show that way and call in. So AMP caller, name, favorite ball club, questionable comment. Hey guys, uh, I really do appreciate you taking my call. I called last week. My name is Dylan. I'm a Yankee fan. Uh, I'm from New Jersey. My question is about the pressure playing in New York. If you look at guys, uh, Donaldson, uh, Aaron Hicks, Sonny Gray, even like Frankie Montas or Stanton, who have struggled playing in New York. And I know obviously Kratz played in New York. And I just wanted you guys' opinion on the pressure of playing in New York and everyone talks about it. And I was just curious if that's a real thing that goes through players' minds and, and can happen. I appreciate you guys taking the time. Thank you. Thanks Dylan. Appreciate you listening, man. And uh, I, it better be a factor Kratz because some dudes go over to New York or Boston or some of the cities that put more heat on you. And they suddenly suck. And I don't feel like you see that as much with other teams. So there better be some heat. There, there's heat. There's definitely heat. And but you're asking, you might be asking the wrong dude. Like, I had a total of 36 at bats with the Yankees, and 34 of them were when there was no fans or reporters actually in your face at the stadium. But I, I've seen it. I have seen it, and really, it comes down to 
you kind of see it with Trey Turner in Philly earlier this year. You want to do well. And outside of the fact that New York is under a much, you know, it's, it's a much, everything's under a microscope. You don't, you can't ever hide things. It is just, it's a environment where you have to be super confident in who you are. And because when you struggle, the questions are going to come out like, was this guy really worth the contract that we got? Was it really worth the prospects that we gave up to trade for him? Like, why do we have this guy? They're always looking for the next guy. They're always, no matter what position, you know, I think the best position you can be is the first base coach for the New York Yankees because they rarely ever get on that guy. But honestly, the whole thing comes down to how you handle it and your inner circle of people. Like, look at what happened to Trey Turner. Now we're talking about Philadelphia. I think Philly is a very difficult market also. But he wanted so badly to succeed. He didn't succeed. He had a ton of support from his wife His by his admission. He had a ton of support from his teammates by their admission. They were all behind him. But when the fans got behind him and they were supportive of him, it shows what has happened. It doesn't mean he's a better player now. It's the same player. But when the struggles mount on top of each other, I've had seasons where I've started out so terribly. Every time you look up at the scoreboard, you're like, oh my gosh, can they just not put my batting average up? Can they just not put up the fact that I don't have any home runs and it's May? All that stuff goes through your head. And in New York, it's it's extrapolate. It, it, it's, it just multiplies. And when a guy like Donaldson comes in last year and he's hitting balls that he thinks are dingers, whether it was because they changed the, the balls or is because he was quote declining, it doesn't matter. He thinks they're dingers. And now all of a sudden these balls aren't going out of the yard and then they're booing. All that stuff is just compounding on top of each other and multiplying in your brain and you're never sitting there. I heard I heard John Cruck say at one time, you've never the fans have never booed me when I've been cheering myself. So you're booing yourself as a player. It's just how much do you let that pressure get to you? But with that, you're under a microscope. There's plenty of players that fold when they get to a new team. Not everybody that the Rays pick up does really well. You're just under a larger microscope. More people tell you how terrible you are. Look at how much look at how much hate Aaron Boone gets. The guy has the the best winning the best winning percentage of any manager for the first whatever he's been there six years, and they've been calling for his job since 2019 when they were when they were a couple win, one win away from going to the World Series. Like it is all you have to block out the haters. And you have to be willing to do, you know, you have to be willing to hear some of this stuff because it's not going to end. You're going to go three for three and they're going to put you in the Hall of Fame. You're going to go for three the next night and the boo birds will come out. There you go, Dylan. That's as thorough of an answer as you're going to get right there from Mr. Kratz, former Yankee. Join AMP, follow at Foul Territory, and you can be like Dylan and ask a question at the end of the show. So tomorrow, I can promise you this, Lorenzo Cain, part of the crew. Ooh. 
Ken Rosenthal joining us with a little inside dish. Maybe a closer in the bigs, maybe. I know AJ is also working on a pretty big name that is out in the Ohio area. So stay tuned on all of that. Plus, we definitely got to hit on these AL and NL races, wild card in the National League, American League with the Astros, Mariners, and Rangers just looking at mirrors of each other and doing the same thing. Um, and then the ballpark situations, Tampa Bay and Milwaukee will get Kratz and AJ's take. I haven't heard from them about what's going down there. And a lot more to get to on Friday's FT Live. See you then. You got to speed it up. I need to go to sleep. 14 hours tonight. <laughs> Poker tonight. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.